Good morning, everyone. So, God has been speaking to me recently about love uh, for, for quite a while now. Uh, but the last few months, it feels like God's really, really been putting His hand on it in my life. I, I find it funny when God puts His hand on something, and suddenly it's everywhere, and you, you can't get away from it. And I've known how important the love of God is before, and I've, of course you see it all the time in scripture, many people are talking about it, but there's just something different, isn't there, when God is, is highlighting it and you just can't get away from it. And so yeah, so I felt that this is something God's been speaking to me about, and as Sam shared, um, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, it's actually something that God's been speaking to us as a church about, hasn't it? I think over the last, last probably year or so. So why is this? Why is God specifically speaking to us about love? Well, as a church, we've been through a season of pruning, haven't we? I'm not saying that's finished, but actually we definitely have been through a season of, even before that season started, God saying, I'm going to prune you, I'm going to take things away, make you smaller, so that growth comes. Um, And we've definitely seen the pruning side of things, haven't we? Uh, And so after the pruning... We look for growth to come that we may bear fruit. As we heard last week from Sam, pruning isn't enough. We need to abide in the vine. We need to remain in the vine, that is remain in Jesus and him in us. We need to keep that connection going. We need to be expertly pruned by the Father in order to bear fruit. And... As I said, I can't get away from this word love. And it, it, it took me to 1 Corinthians 13. Um, and I'm just going to read it to you. It, I think it's going to come up on the screen as well. Just the first few verses. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So many of these things, they're really godly, aren't they? They're they're spiritual gifts at work here, spiritual, what we'd even class as probably spiritual fruit. But yet, actually, it says, without love, they are nothing. Prophecy without love is just like a clanging cymbal or a noisy gong. Having all faith back to move mountains. Seeing the power of God mightily move without love. It says, I am nothing. It says, if I deliver up my body to be burned. If I give myself, if, I, if someone comes up to me and says, either deny God or sacrifice yourself. Uh, and be burned and on the stake and... If I make that decision that, as you know, I can't deny God, but if that's not done through love, he says, you gain nothing for it. You gain nothing for it. And to me, that's similar language, isn't it? So where it says, and Jesus says, whoever abides in me and I abide in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So there's this, there's this link, isn't it? They're intrinsically linked. Abiding and pruning and love. So as a church, we've been through a season of pruning. 
And at the start of that season, God spoke to us about growth coming out of it. So it makes perfect sense now that God's speaking to us about abiding, that God's speaking to us about love, so that the church may grow and bear much fruit for his glory. So why am I sharing this now? This is not exactly how I intended to start my preach, but I just felt God speaking to us that actually, as we continue on our journey through John 15, and we're looking at abiding, and we actually are looking at abiding in love today, and God's word abiding in us. But these things are not individual things that we can disconnect from each other. Like I, When I first started looking at what I was going to preach on today, I was trying to have, right, okay, this, so Sam spoke on abiding in Christ and him in us. So this week I'm speaking on abiding in Christ and his word abiding in us. And then I've got to speak on abiding in his love. But then Mike's going to look at what it means to the outworking of abiding in his love and how we do that. And, but I, I was trying to break these up into neat packages, and you can't. You just can't do it. It is all linked together. And so sorry, Mike, if I speak too much on what you're going to say. But actually, that is a really good thing. Because we need to hear truth again and again. Like what um, John was saying earlier. We need to be reminded again and again that God is with us wherever we go. It's not like we have to go back and plug ourselves into the vine or hope that the branch stretches far enough to reach to work. But, but God is with us. We can remain in the vine all the time. So I just want to encourage us today that God has spoken growth over us. In fact, as the same was praying for me and for us at the beginning, I felt God just almost say there's a picture of a rainbow over us as a church. And that's a sign, isn't it, that God will keep his promise but as we look at the scripture today, we'll see that sometimes there are conditions. God's like, this is what I will do, but your job is to abide. And it's not a passive abiding, is it? It's an active abiding. And I just feel God is saying that when we heard it in songs earlier, didn't we? I am faithful. I was faithful yesterday. I am faithful today. I am faithful forever. So, if I say something, my word does not return to me empty. It does what I send it to accomplish. But there's also something about us partnering with God, isn't there? So let's turn to John 15. And we'll start at verse 7. And we read to 11 and then jump to verse 16. It should also be up on the screen. So it says... If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Just repeat that last verse. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go 
and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. It's, a, it's another promise from God, isn't it? It's like, how comforting that the all-knowing, the all-powerful, the ever-present God, the God that knows us intimately, knows our innermost thoughts, knows everything from our past, knows what our future holds, says, I've chosen you. And I've chosen you to go and bear fruit. It's almost... If you look early on to what Sam was preaching last week, it's like bearing fruit isn't, almost isn't even a choice. It kind of says, the vine that abides in me will bear fruit. But I think there is that thing of actually how much do we abide in him, isn't there? It's like actually what does our daily walk with him look like? Sorry, that wasn't in my preach. So, I don't know why I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. We can see from verse 9... Uh, so yes, yeah, so if we jump straight back to verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. We can see here, Jesus is inviting us to abide in his love. The word abide can mean to remain, to continue in. Uh, you could even think of it as to dwell in, so almost make your home somewhere. So Jesus is saying that, the love that I enjoy abiding in from my Father is the same love that I love you with. Abide in my love and make my love the place where you live. Make my love the place where you remain. So it's quite remarkable, isn't it, when we think about it? This love that has always existed between the Father and the Son is a perfect love it's the same love with which Jesus loves us. Wayne Grudem, in his book Systematic Theology, talks about God's love like this. God's love means that God eternally gives of himself to others. So God's love means that God eternally gives of himself to others. So what he's saying is, God's continually given the best of what he has to give, and that is himself. To bring blessing and to bring benefit to others. We see this mirrored in John 3. Jesus says that the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. The Father has not held back anything from the Son, but in love he has given him all things, all that he has. It's funny, isn't it? Sorry, there's things going around in my head. It just reminds me that the love in the Bible is different, isn't it? To The world can love. And the world can love in such a way as that they do lay down their life for someone. But, but how often do I hear people these days saying, I'm not going to get married because I don't want to give all of what I've got to that person because actually there, there are things that what, what happens if, 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 if the marriage breaks apart I don't want to get myself fully hurt or I don't want to there, there, there's this, almost this thing where people are afraid to fully give of themselves whereas actually God joyously gives of himself so if Jesus loves us as the father has loved him 
then Jesus has to fully give of all he has for our good and our benefit. So if the love that the Father has for the Son, if the Son has that same love for us, he has to fully give of himself as well. If we read in Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, there is direct connection between God's love and giving of oneself for others. Jesus, in giving all that he had for others, really didn't hold anything back, but actually gave himself for us, and he did it for the joy set before him. So this isn't a somber love, but it's one of joy. Father God declares publicly, twice, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This love relationship is a joyous one. In fact, in John 15, just after Jesus talks about abiding in his love, he says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus is saying, if you abide in my love, my joy will be in you. saying you are pleasing to me and your joy will be full when my joy is in you your joy will be full that's a promise isn't it and it's a promise that makes me think I need to do some more abiding (laughs) I know I'm not there yet I don't always feel like my joy is full and I know it's not something which means that in difficult situations we've just got a smile on our face because we see Jesus went to the cross for the joy set before him, yet he said, take this cup from me, if it be your will. I don't, that's not a direct quote, paraphrase. But he was saying, he even, well, he sweated blood, didn't he? He was in a place of distress, but that there was something about this joy being in him for what was to come. That was his motivation. It's exciting, isn't it? Jesus has this great love he's telling us about to abide in, and the consequence is joy bubbling up within us. So this love is a joyous love, and we are meant to abide in it. As Jesus has said, abide in my love. But how do we abide in his love? If we look at verse 10, it says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See, I'll say that again. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Here, Jesus is stating that through obedience to his Father, that's how he remained, that's how he continued, that's how he dwelt in the Father's love. So we too will remain continuing dwelling Jesus' love if we obey Jesus' commands. It's starting to sound a bit like we earn love. You obey me and you get something out of it. But if we turn back to John chapter 14, so go back a chapter, 
verse 31, it says, I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Jesus' obedience to the Father stems from a place of love. Jesus obeys the Father because of his love for the Father. And it's due to his obedience that he then abides and remains in the Father's love. And this is the same for us. Scripture clearly tells us that we can only love God because he first loved us. That's taken from 1 John 4. And if you continue on in 1 John 4, it says, Only by being born of God and knowing God can we ourselves love the same way as God's indwelling presence is in us. So I'll read those again. So we can only love God because he loved us first. And it's only actually by being born again of God and knowing God that we ourselves can love with the same love God has as his presence is within us, enabling that. It's quite wordy, isn't it? But what it's saying is by putting our trust in Jesus as Lord and Saviour and repenting of our sins, God makes his dwelling in us, enabling us to love as he does as we can only truly love the way he does in response to knowing him and knowing his love first. Out of this new love birthed in us, we choose to walk in joyful obedience to the one, Jesus Christ, who has laid down his life for us. So what is it Jesus commands us to do that we may abide in his love? He says, to love one another as I have loved you. So it's quite a big challenge, isn't it? I'm not going to delve really any deeper into that now. um, Because that's what Mike's speaking on next week. Other than to know, it's a radical love that we're to love others with, isn't it? Because actually the love that God has modelled for us is I give all of me for you that you may benefit from it and that you may experience my goodness and grow from it so what God is saying is I want the very best for you and to do that I have to give all of myself for you and now I am calling you as my disciples to give all of yourself for those around you. So, so that's what it is to abide in God's love. It's to abide in the fact that, that he has fully given himself for us, for our benefit, for every situation in life. It's not just, like John was saying, knowing God is with us, but it's more than that. It's actually... Knowing the God of love, who is given everything for you, for every situation in life, he is given everything for you. For all eternity, he is continuing to give everything he has for you. 
superiores. But the condition for us to abide in that love is to not put a plug in us and stop it from flowing, but it's to let that love flow out from within us and affect each other here in the room, but also in the workplace when you're at work. For those of you that don't work, for if you're doing things at home or meeting friends or whatever it is, there's this there's this sense, isn't there, that if God is saying you abide by loving, it's just to keep that abiding, we need to just keep on loving. We just need to be wherever we are, looking for situations to give, to give, to give of what God has in us. There was... I was at a wedding recently in Coventry, and in fact I nearly brought up my best man's speech for accident because that's still on the back. Um, that someone there was talking to me about work and they were like, I, I do a job, I'm fairly well paid, I'm, but I'm a bit bored in it, and I want to be doing something to build God's kingdom. And I said to him, unless you start doing things to build God's kingdom where you are now, you won't do it when you move on. It's easy to think, when I move on to this point, this is when it starts. This is when it begins. But actually, in, in the New Testament, it tells us that whatever we do, do it for God. Whatever we do, do it for God. And, and so actually, whatever we're doing in life, don't fall into the trap of thinking, this isn't building God's kingdom. I wish I was doing this. I wish I was doing that. But actually, we can do all for his glory. And as we're doing that, his love will be flowing through us. And the more his love flows through us, the more we abide, which means the more we have to give. I'll just get to some pages, which I probably need to do. So, okay, so now we're going to move on to. If you abide in me, then our focus is my words abide in you. So verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I think so often we, we jump to the second part of that verse, don't we? <laughs> ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But first, we actually need to look at the first part of the verse. first, Because this is setting a condition for our prayers being answered. As I mentioned earlier, a simple definition of the word abide, you can think of it as to, to remain in, or to remain, to continue, to dwell in. So therefore, to abide in is to remain in. So if you abide in my words, and my words abide in you, could be written as, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Sam helpfully showed us last week but to live a fruitful life, we need to submit to the pruning of God the Father and abide in Jesus. And we abide in Jesus by continuing in a daily personal relationship with him, characterised by trust, prayer, obedience and joy. So what does it mean for Jesus' words to abide and remain in us? I think it's, it's referring to, it could be all of scripture actually making its home in us. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart 
that I may not sin against you. So by the word of God abiding in the psalmist, he is saying, it changes how I live. I've purposely stored it up in my heart because I know it affects me. I know it it helps stop me from sinning. How he lives his life because of the storing up of his word in him, because of the word abiding in him, makes his life more pleasing to God. As the words of Jesus abide in us, they shape how we think, how we function, how we process things, how they interact with life, and they even bring faith to us, don't they? He says, faith comes by hearing, and by hearing the word about Christ. So if we're storing the words of Christ in us, it's going to be building our faith. In Psalm 1, the man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night is like this. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. In all that he does, he prospers. So the word of God abiding in us causes us to be like a tree that is constantly sustained bears fruit and prospers in all it does. Sounds very similar, doesn't it, to abiding in the vine and we will bear much fruit. But in this case, the word is only abiding in the psalmist because he is meditating on it day and night. It's the same in Psalm 119. The psalmist stores up the word in his heart and there seems to be an active element to God's word abiding in us, doesn't there then? So it's, it's, it's not a passive thing, but there's this act of maybe memorising scripture. Maybe that's what the psalmist 119 was talking about, by storing it up in his heart. Maybe he's saying, I purposely am memorising this so that it, it becomes a part of me inside, so that, that it, can, it can flow out and affect who I am. The... the psalmist in Psalm 1 could be saying actually I'm I'm memorising scripture that's how I can meditate on it day and night or he might actually be saying actually I I just maybe I I spent time today looking at what it means to abide in the vine so then throughout the day I think about what does it mean to abide in the vine I learn from verse 1 through to verse 16 of uh, John 15 in the build up to this preach so I could think about it at work so I could be going over it I could be going over it and thinking okay I mean even then just thinking about that it's so it says I am the true vine and you are the branches whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that will bear much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you Once again, it's saying the word cleanses us, doesn't it? The word cleanses us. The word prunes us as well. Because in the verse before, where it talks about pruned, that's the same word as clean. Okay? But so that's another function of storing the word of God up in us. So if we let the word of God, and that's a proactive thing of letting the word of God dwell in us richly, it will bear fruit in us. But do we let it into our hearts and our minds? Or are we too busy doing other things? Right for a few more minutes? Or? Cool. 
So I'm just going to quickly read from Luke 10. It's about Mary and Martha. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled by many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listened to his teaching. She prioritised God's word, abiding in her, rather than serving. And I almost think that this is something for us now. And As we've shrunk down a bit as a church... We almost find that there's more places we can really serve in, aren't there? There's more things that need doing. And we can we could get so involved with filling the holes that need to be filled that we neglect the one thing that is necessary. And I just feel God would say to us, the one thing that is necessary is above the serving. If you're serving to the extent that you're missing out on your relationship with him and his word isn't abiding in you, it might be time for a season just to step back a bit or at least m- make sure you're making time for the one thing that's necessary because the servant is important and I get that but Jesus knows the servant is important but he says the one thing is necessary is spending time with me and abiding in me and so I'm not saying everyone stops serving but what I am saying is Where's our priorities? Don't serve to the point where it's sacrificed, it's putting pressure on the relationship with God, but actually let your serving flow through your relationship with God. So do we busy ourselves doing life, the things that need doing, at the cost of the one thing that is necessary? I think I'm going to finish there, actually. I think it feels like God's putting his, his hand on, on that. Do you want me to just pray? Or have you got something? Yeah, I'm just, going to, I'm just going to pray for us. God, I thank you that in your word it says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Lord, that's a promise from you. That if we abide in you, and you abide in us, that your life will flow up into us and through us, and that we will bear fruit for your name and your glory. And I just pray, Lord, that at the moment, as you're you're speaking to us in this season about abiding, about abiding in you, and about love, I pray, Lord, that you will be teaching us, showing us, and helping us to do the one thing that is necessary. It's so easy to, to get caught up, Lord, on, on how, we move your, how we move this church forwards, on, on what it is we do to, to, to grow, to, to step into the growth that you've set over us, and yet you're just saying, abide. That's the key, abide. 
and Lord I just pray help us to abide help this that place that John was talking about that, that walking around daily of that to be the place where our mind is most of the time God you are with us God you are with us God you are with us what fruit are you wanting to bear here we ask this in your name O oh God Amen